Hey, it's Jordan. Just a quick heads up. This episode of The Chill Factory is intended for adult listeners. Well, they can fulfill their sexual desires, urges without the partner, but also they can tell a partner, hey, move your hand here or do this or let's try that because they know this is what feels good to me. Welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful. I'm Jordan Friedman. Good sex is one of life's great pleasures, and it's also a great stress reducer. Sex releases pain-blocking and feel-good chemicals, including endorphins, oxytocin, and serotonin. It reduces muscle tension after initially raising it, and it helps you sleep. But what if your sex isn't so good or satisfying? Oh, you can just talk about it with your partner or partners. Yeah, right. Talking about sex is pretty uncomfortable for many of us, and this unease means that unsatisfying sex isn't so stress-relieving. And in fact, it can breed disappointment, frustration, anger, breakups, and more stress, among other things. This is why we're going to talk about talking about sex here in the Chill Factory over the next two episodes. Now, human sexuality is a big, complex topic, and so is talking about it. We won't, of course, be able to cover it all or all of the possible consensual sexual activities and relationships or all of humanity's sexual interests and identities. We do hope that what we talk about can apply in some way to all of the above, and our main goal is to help make sex the incredible stress reliever and mood lifter that it's capable of being. To help us reach this goal, we have Leanne Hamilton, who's been a sexual health educator for over 35 years. She's Assistant Director of Health Promotion and Preventive Services at the University of Arizona Campus Health Service and faculty at the Mel and Enid Zuckerman College of Public Health. Leanne also leads human sexuality study abroad programs in Europe. After the interview, I'll share an amazing free resource that actually does come pretty close to covering everything there is to know about sex and other health topics. I started the conversation with a very modern obstacle to sex. One of the biggest complaints or reasons that people give about not having sex or not being sexually satisfied is they don't have time to have sex and they feel like they need to make an appointment to have sex, or it has to happen at particular times or in a confined amount of time. And sometimes they're just not in the mood when those times come around on their calendars. Exactly. There's a lot to be said for spontaneous sexual activity, but that's not often the way it happens. And it's not a bad idea to schedule time for sexual intimacy, to say, even have a a weekly date night. And I think particularly in America, many people are focused on the how many times a week or am I normal and all these kinds of things. What really matters is, are you and your partner happy with the amount of sex you're having and the satisfaction that it brings to you? And those things can change drastically over time with the same partner within yourself and certainly with you know new partners, and certainly over the time of a relationship. The passion will be very heightened at the beginning of a relationship, and so there may be more emphasis on sexual activity. But if you've been together with someone for three years, 30 years, it's going to be different. It just is going to be different. That doesn't mean 
lesser than. It just means different. So one of the reasons that we're doing this episode is because merely talking about sex is so difficult, so uncomfortable for so many people. Any overarching strategies from your experience for making talking about sex less challenging? That's a complicated and great question. And some of it has to do with the histories and experiences we bring into it. But we're humans and we can change and we can do things differently. So the good news is you can initiate a conversation about sex, even if it kind of makes you stressed out or nervous or uncomfortable. Uh, This podcast is a great place to start. You could tell a partner or someone you're interested in, hey, I heard this great podcast and they were talking about talking about sex. What do you think? I mean, you can use this podcast as an initiator to that conversation. So in general, with all communication, whether it's about sex or it's about anything, it's always good to have a comfortable time and place and have a conversation, not when you're frustrated or angry or pressed for time. I think it's always a good idea to use I statements. For example, I like it when you blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying things like, you always do this or you never do that. Always start with your feelings because they're valid. So it could be, hey, I'd really like to talk about some things. Or it could be giving some praise. You know, I really like it when you initiate and I'm not expecting it or something like that. It's always a good idea to try and maintain positive regard for your partner. Some days that's easier than others. (laughs) But you're going to get further in a conversation if you really do keep that person in a positive light. Think about them in, in the best of times, the best of circumstances. All communication, and particularly about sex, it's a good idea to use open-ended questions. For example, what really turns you on? Or what's difficult for you to do? Instead of asking yes-no questions like, would you rather this or that? It's okay to discuss your sexual preferences and learn to make requests because guess what? Nobody can read your mind. So take responsibility for your own pleasure and requests and don't be vague about it. If you prefer your partner do something this way, let it be known, hey, I'd really like to try this or I'd prefer if we could uh, keep the lights on or keep the lights off, whatever it happens to be. Make it specific instead of generalities like, well, I wish it could be better. I wish you could do this all the time, you know, those kinds of things. It's also a good idea to temper any complaints with praise. Some people may be familiar with uh, having a conversation sort of like a sandwich. Try and start out with the first piece of bread is something positive. Then you've got the middle of it or the meat of the issue. And then the other piece of bread on the other side of the sandwich, leave with something positive too. And it could be something simple like, I really appreciate it when you blow in my ear or you take out the trash or whatever it is. And then, you know, whatever the complaint is, it's like, hey, I feel kind of pressured when you blah, 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 and then end with, I really want our relationship to continue getting better. So a sandwich, good stuff, hard stuff, good stuff. And it's a real gift when someone listens to us. But also, we need to reciprocate. We need to give our full attention to the other person. It can't be all about us. 
you look them in the eye, you nod your head, you let them know that they've got your full attention. And then you may even ask clarifying questions. So what I'm hearing is you would prefer to XYZ instead of ABC or get some clarification about things. Keeping in mind sexual communication isn't only confined to words alone. Your facial expressions, the distance and closeness in which you have a conversation, whether you're touching each other, it all conveys a lot of information. And it's okay to make mistakes and bumble along while you talk about it. For instance, say, I may have a really hard time discussing this, but it's important because I care about you. So those are some overarching ideas about making communication a little bit easier, better, uh, more open. All great suggestions. And I think that one thing that happens, especially in longer-term relationships, is that you don't express how you feel or what you want sexually for yourself or talk about what your partner wants. And you go along and you start talking less and less about sex and maybe you're having less and less sex because that tends to happen as relationships go along. And then it becomes much more challenging to bring it up. So I'm wondering if you would agree that talking about sex on a regular basis, checking in frequently just to see how things are going or see if your partner has other needs or to think about your own needs and communicating them rather than letting too much time go by and then it becomes harder to do so. That is an excellent point. Easier said than done because you're right, the longer you go without talking about it, the more awkward or harder or embarrassing or uncomfortable or whatever it can become. And it may be that one partner is better about bringing it up and the other one is reluctant. So if it's bugging you, that's probably a message that, hey, this needs some attention. And it can be like, hey, I know this is going to be kind of awkward, but we, you know, I, I really miss being with you. And we, we haven't really talked about where we are in, you know, this part of our relationship. I'd like to hear what you think, you know, inviting them to talk about it. And if it is really awkward, and uncomfortable to the point where it's really affecting your relationship, maybe worth it checking out and talking to a counselor about things. Hmm. I think one of the pitfalls of even bringing sex up with a partner can also be that you want something different than the partner wants, or your partner wants something different than you want. And that can feel like a big red flashing light, that this is going to put the kibosh on the relationship. And I'm sure you probably agree that in many cases, it doesn't need to be the end. Absolutely not. It's, it's up for discussion. Self-awareness is really important. And so, you know, knowing what you like and what your boundaries are or what your expectations are boy, expectations do have a lot to do with happiness in life, in jobs, in relationships, in everything. Same thing for sex. If you expect it to go one way and it goes another, you might be very disappointed or you might be uncomfortable. So it's important to know 
what your desires are, what your limits are, what your wants are, what your preferences are, but also being open to the fact that we're all, as humans, still changing and growing. None of us are stuck in the place that we are. So we may be better off to be open to new experiences. But then again, if there's something your partner wants to do and you really don't want to do it, that's okay for you to say, I'm just not comfortable with this. That's okay. And it doesn't mean the end of the relationship. Hopefully that partner would respect your wishes, your thoughts, hold you in positive regard for what your comfort level is with different kinds of activities. And I think that's one of the great things about sex is that there are many options, right? <laughs> that is for sure. And at this point, I also want to add that Sex alone is one of the, it can be one of the, a wonderful kind of sex. And I'm talking about masturbation. And so when there's partners that have differences in a need for frequency, hey, there are other options. But when you are with another person, there's tons of options, lots of different things. Some people are very adventurous and want to try lots of things. And with appreciating and respecting each other's desires, wants, and boundaries as well. That's just super important. Masturbation within a relationship does not mean there's something wrong with the relationship. I think that's really important to say. Absolutely not. And it can actually facilitate better sexual response when a partner knows what helps them to feel better. They can then, you know, let's say if it's, you know, partner's gone, well, they can fulfill their sexual desires, urges without the partner, but also they can tell a partner, hey, move your hand here or do this or let's try that. And, and because they know this is what feels good to me. And that's okay. It's the safest sex we have. And it can feel good. And it doesn't hurt other people. And it can be very enlightening, can make people self-aware and really help them to better communicate with a partner about, hey, this is what I like. This is what makes me feel good. So it can enhance a relationship, just as you said. Okay. Here are some of the big sources of stress and anxiety around sex and acknowledging that human sexuality and relationships are really complicated. Let's talk briefly about each of these with an eye on making them at least a bit less stressful. The first is a lack of desire. And as you said earlier, if it's a lack of overall desire, maybe some other stuff is going on. Maybe there are some mental health or sexual health issues that it would be helpful to you to talk with a healthcare provider about or a therapist about. Absolutely. And in some situations, if there's something going on in the relationship that's really hurtful or damaging, there may not be any way to get that desire up. If there's been an ongoing argument, resentment, defensiveness, accusations, whatever, you can do all you want. It may not be possible to overcome it at that moment. And with more and more people on different kinds of medications for mental health issues, that's really important because some of them, particularly the SSRIs, they can just squash desire and make it nearly impossible for a person to have an orgasm because sex does have a lot to do with our brains and our neurotransmitters. So in spite of someone's best efforts, they may just not feel much desire. 
Another stressor is having less sex than you want to be having, either if you're on your own or if you're with someone else. Yes, that can be a big challenge for folks, especially if you don't have a partner. That's a real tough one. And there is always masturbation, but not always everyone's goal in that situation. And if, let's say, you're, you're wanting more, but your partner's wanting less, that can be a real challenge and may need to be negotiated in some way, whatever that is, or having a discussion around it. Will masturbation be helpful or not? Or is that something you can talk to your partner about? Gee, I'd, I'd really like to be with you more often, more frequently. Or maybe there's some really good reasons why it's not happening. And so there's so many things that can affect a sexual relationship that are happening when we're not in bed with someone. And it's important to acknowledge that. And again, starting with an I statement, hey, I'd really like to spend more intimate time with you. I really care about you and I love our time together. What can, what can we do to make that happen more? And then listen. Great. Mismatched interests. And I'll throw in there a lack of intimacy or one partner wanting more intimacy than the other is providing. So it's important to acknowledge it. Listen to your partner, what their desires are. See if that's something that you can come to an agreement about or at least have a discussion about. You know, if, if one partner is having less sex than they want and another one's having more, it, it really comes down to compromise, which is so much about what a good relationship can be, whether it's in bed or it's doing the laundry or taking out the trash. It's making some concessions and maybe adaptations so that there's that sense that we're both getting closer to what we want. So I'm willing to compromise. One of my favorite expressions is, it's not A or B, it's AB. So when it comes to sex and sexual interests, there are probably variations on that interest that may make this desire, this activity, more palatable, more interesting, even a turn-on to the partner that initially was like, what? No way, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So keeping an open mind, being willing to change, to try new things, maybe more than once. And here's another one. Sexual anxieties, including performance anxiety and body image. Absolutely. We all have some kind of issue about ourselves. We'd like to be better. And sometimes body image can really get in the way of people becoming intimate. It can be such a barrier. And again, it may be about um, pushing yourself beyond your comfort level in order to have a what could be a really fabulous, great experience. And I think the performance anxiety that can apply in a lot of areas of life, whether it's taking a test or being in a job or musical or visual arts or something. But when you're really down to it and you're naked in bed with somebody, boy, it's, it's yeah, that can be real anxiety. And I think it's just important to realize that we're imperfect beings. We just are. And that that's the way life is. And you've got to sometimes just step back and not take yourself so seriously. Now, there are some of us that may have deeper issues. And again, I want to encourage people if it's if there's some barrier that's keeping you from really enjoying your life to the fullest, that's holding you back, 
maybe that's worth exploring with, you know, a professional or a support group or something. And in some senses, I wish some people would spend more time thinking about their relationships with an intimate partner than, say, putting together their latest Instagram post so that it looks perfect, but it doesn't maybe really represent what our life is like. And anything you see on a screen probably isn't really accurate, true, maybe not healthy, maybe not helpful. And maybe we can talk a little bit about porn later, Jordan, but porn has become a bit the new sex ed and it's really hurting a lot of people's relationships. Leanne Hamilton is a sexual health educator and we'll continue our conversation in the next episode of The Chill Factory. In the meantime, you can learn more about Leanne and get links to great sex resources at the new and niftier home of The Chill Factory podcast. It's at the same address, thechillfactory.net. Information often leads to stress relief, which is why I'm going to tell you now about that great resource I mentioned at the top of the episode. Since 1993, for 30 years now, Columbia University has produced the Go Ask Alice Health Q&A website. It has thousands of questions and answers about sex, nutrition, exercise, mental health, pretty much any health topic you can think of. It was the first resource of its kind on the internet as we know it, which was born just one year earlier. And it remains possibly the most comprehensive, well-researched, and compassionate repository of health information anywhere. The Go Ask Alice website is also great because it's very simple to use, it's searchable, it doesn't have ads, and it remains free. Full disclosure here, I was very lucky to have been part of the Go Ask Alice production team for about 10 years when I was at Columbia. I'm not promoting it for that reason, and I have no connection to Go Ask Alice today, but I do still use it when I have questions about health. So if you have questions about health, or maybe about sex that were sparked by this episode, go on over to goaskalice.columbia.edu. We'll also put information about the site and a link to it in the show notes. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow The Chill Factory wherever you listen to your podcast so you'll know when new episodes are available. And there's always more at thechillfactory.net. And as actress Shirley MacLaine said, sex is hardly ever just about sex.